We're so glad to have you. Um, we're, in a, we're in a wonderful season right now in this church that it is, it is fun. It is, it is moving quickly. Um, and I think that uh, I was watching the show last night on, um, called Building Off the Grid or something like that. And they're building these houses, and the guy built a house out of bamboo. And we have this bamboo back here, which we wish we didn't, but we do. If you know anything about bamboo, you know why. It's unbelievable how fast it grows. Unbelievable within a year how fast it grows. Go Google it sometime. It'll blow your mind. But the thing is this, the thing about bamboo is, is not only does it grow incredibly fast, it's incredibly strong. It's actually stronger than wood. If you were to compare, you know, the same diameter of wood to the same diameter of bamboo, bamboo is much stronger. And here's something else that's neat. The bottom of the bamboo is just as strong as the top of the bamboo. It's not weaker up here and stronger down here. It's the same density. And I was watching this, and I, and I felt like the Lord was just showing me this picture. He said, John, you guys are growing, but you're going to... As you're growing, you're not going to grow. In, you're not going to be um, exposed in weakness. I want to grow you strong. And so we're in a season of growth. But he's not just growing things. He wants to make. I say it this way: I don't want to grow a big ministry. I want to grow big people. Yeah. Like we want big people. I, I would give me twelve strong spiritual people than twelve hundred that are just like. Just I want. I want people to be strong. That's our heart. And so we're in a season of just, just things are taking off, things are moving, and I'm, I'm excited. And this morning when I was waking up, every now and again, I set my alarm really early on Sundays. That's just how I, I have to operate, I, like, like 4, 4.30 in the morning. And I, I set it this morning, and I, every now and then, the Lord, I'll wake up, and he'll say, you don't have to get out of bed. And I just get to lay there and just be in his presence. Every time that's happened, it's because he's going to take over. <laughs> and so this morning, uh, some of you are like, I don't know if I should amen that or not. <laughs> this morning as I laid there, I woke up, and I just felt the presence of the Lord to say, just, just, just chill. I'll tell you what to say. And I want to talk to you, uh, I feel very strongly that I want to talk about a topic that we hear about a lot around here. Matter of fact, most of you have the t-shirt, but you may not even know why you have the t-shirt. And it says reformer. And I want to talk to you a little bit about reformation, but I actually want to talk to you a little bit more about the reformer. So, Holy Spirit, come and have your way. <laughs> if you're hungry, I want you just to tell him in your own way, come and have your way. I want you to just, you need to pray that. I'll start once the hunger gets high enough in this room. So come on, begin to just tell him, come and have your way. Come and have your way. Come and have your way. Come and have your way, Jesus. Holy Spirit, do whatever you want to do this morning. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. A few years ago, the Lord gave me a dream about an outpouring. It's a very, very vivid dream about an outpouring. And I'd like to read a few things to you that for, if you've been here for a few years, I'm probably not going to say something you've never heard before, but how many know sometimes you need to just get a tune-up? <laughs> sometimes we just need to pull our car in and get a tune-up. Sometimes it's better to get the tune-up before the wheels are falling off the car. <laughs> 
And so I try, I try every now and then to bring things that I feel like are really, really important to this house to do a tune-up. And this morning I felt like the Lord said, bring some things out that you haven't talked about in a while. But I do believe he's inviting us into a, a season, into a place of where he wants to pour out his spirit. But I also believe that we need to understand that outpouring is not just for the purpose of goosebumps. Outpouring has to lead to reformation. When I say reformation, it's very simple. Every area in life, I believe, that God could touch it, and when he touches it, things reform healthy. When God comes and there's a family that you watched their family line, and all of a sudden Jesus touches a couple in that family, how many of you know you saw a reformation of that family? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You guys are really quiet this morning. It's, it's, he touches something. And all of a sudden, it's like everything has been reformed in that family. Why? Because he touched it. He breathed on it. I believe that when God moves in power and when he pours out his presence, it's not solely for the purpose of just saying, wow, I got goosebumps at church today. I fell on the floor at church today. That's great. But what happens after that? The question maybe would be, what's, what's the purpose of an outpouring or a revival? Because there is more to it than just woo. I love woo. You, you hear me wooing the whole service down here on the front row. Woo. I love getting excited in the presence. Anybody else? I, listen, I led worship for like 18 years. And so like there's nothing in me that will ever stop being an all out worshiper. That's who I am. If it's here, if it's there, if it's in the parking lot, I am a worshiper. I love it. Worship's not warming up for what I'm doing. <laughs> Worship is not the warm-up. It is the main event. The main event is when we come in and we look at the King of Kings and we say, I've made a place for you. So come on. Come on. Come on. You realize what you're singing this morning. All things are possible. So come on. Oh, it's coming. The kingdom of God is at hand. I said this this morning earlier, but I want you to think of this phrasing a little bit differently. We've all heard the scripture, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Most people think that's about getting saved. Repentance is about changing the way you think. Really important. Oh, where are you going, Holy Spirit? Um, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a big difference between the gospel of salvation and the gospel of the kingdom. I could really just shake some people up right now. We're in the south. Let's go for it. <laughs> the gospel of salvation, the gospel means the good news. Salvation, how many know, is really important, but salvation is not the pinnacle. We're missing something if we are. Matter of fact, you won't find anywhere in the Bible that talks about the gospel of salvation. You'll find all over two different things, the gospel the, the, of the kingdom. And then in one book, it says the gospel of heaven because the writer, I can't remember which, which one it was, but the writer was writing to Jews and they won't use the word God, so they use the word heaven. So it was the gospel of the kingdom and that of heaven. So the scripture says that the kingdom of God is at hand. I want you to begin to understand what that really means because I think people think it's right here, so if I pray hard enough and I do enough, I can get it. 
I want you to change the way you think about that. I want you to use the terminology that you're familiar with. The kingdom of God is in stock. You ever want to buy something and it's like out of stock? And you're like, oh, man. Anybody else besides me? I'm like, and then you'll look everywhere else so you don't have to wait. It's like I'm searching everywhere for this thing because I don't want to wait. That's just quit staring at me like I'm the only one that does that. Anybody else do that in the room? It's like, I'm like, I want it now. I want it in stock. Come on. And so like I, when we were buying some furniture and I'm still waiting. Sometimes the Lord just tests me a little bit too, I think. I've been waiting on a couch forever in my office and it's been on back order. Back order. The kingdom of heaven is not on back order. You, when he says that the kingdom of God is at hand, what does that mean? The kingdom of God is in stock. When someone comes in this morning and they're saying, man, I got, I got pain in my back. Hey, guess what? I got healing in stock. <laughs> but when someone comes in and they says, listen, man, like, you know, oh, I'm, just, I'm feeling really down. Listen, I got hope in stock. It won't run out. You know, someone comes in, whatever it might be, it is in stock. We need to get this because this changes everything. This is what reformers do. Reformers are people that really just don't care about what people think about them. I love reformers because they are crazy people. They're like, I don't care what I look like. I just know I have access to all the stock of heaven and people need it. So I'm going to give it to them. <laughs> and sometimes it gets a little crazy. Sometimes. Sometimes it gets a little crazy. I hope I have the right translation here. I think I do. There's a scripture that I believe in your Bible that could, when we talk about an outpouring, here's the thing about when God moves. When God moves, he moves. When you pray for the lion of Judah to come, he comes in like a lion. He doesn't come in like a kitty cat and purr on the front row. He comes in like a lion. And I believe we often pray prayers that we don't even know that we're praying. Lord, have your way. Really? Are, are you okay with that? Like, really? Like, Lord, have your way. Jesus, have your way in me. I preached one time when I was a youth pastor. I can't remember. It was like the 10 most dangerous prayers. And I, 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 it was like my favorite sermon ever. It was like one of them was, Lord, have your way was number one. Like, have your way with me, Lord. I'm like, that is like the most fun, dangerous prayer. But when outpouring happens and when God begins to move on a place and he begins to release his presence, sometimes it doesn't look the way we thought it would look. Sometimes it gets long. Sometimes we get hungry. Sometimes it gets packed. Sometimes we lose my favorite row and I don't get to sit in my seat. That's my seat, man. <laughs> Proverbs 27, verse 7 is an interesting passage that I believe has something in it that is a little nugget for stewarding an outpouring of the Lord. And it says, the one who is full loathes the honey from the comb. But to the hungry, even what is bitter tastes sweet. Let me read that again. The one who is full loathes the honeycomb. But to the hungry, even what is bitter tastes are you encountering the lord like what's happening in your life how is he coming in and challenging you yeah. and see he'll come in and he'll come in and he will wreck things sometimes yeah. Yeah. but you see you get to a point where if you're hungry even the bitter tastes sweet 
But see, when you get full, what you become is a food critic. And we begin to criticize the food. Well, that was a little too heavy. That was a little long. It's a little loud. And what we do is we begin to be a food critic. But I believe that when we begin to live from a place of sacrifice that says, I just want to see the kingdom of heaven released on earth. And that may not be my, and listen, I'm not preaching this in response to complaints. Actually, I don't have any complaints on the table right now, so we're good. (laughs) Not that I know of. So this is not a response to complaints at all. But we come in and we just say, I just got to get, I just want to get with my family in the presence. See, something happens in the corporate atmosphere of the presence that's unique. Because God will deposit things and hide things in people around you. Why? Because it causes you to come into community and unity with people. And I believe that when we come into the place that we're hungry and all of a sudden all of the bitterness just, you know what? Yeah, that's not. I don't want to park all the way at the back of the parking lot. But you know what? If God's moving, I'll walk. I feel this because I feel like we're coming into a season where... I feel like we're coming into a season of sacrifice that's unique. I see so much the Lord is getting ready to do in this house. And I don't want to ever fall into striving. Striving is when I'm trying to make something happen on my own. But sacrifice is when I recognize what he's doing and I say, whatever it takes, I want to be there. I want to be in that place. I'll be the sacrifice. And I believe that he's bringing us into a season where there's a calling on this house to minister even to the city, which is some of you, maybe it's a foreign thought, but there's actually a commission that's way larger than this body. Yeah. I, I, hear, I, I, I was in a very large group on a social media group, and uh, somebody came to our uh, Friday night worship night and drove two or three hours to come. And they posted in that group. They didn't know I was in that group. It was like, anybody go to the gate church? I went to the worship night, and it was amazing. And, and I went on there, and I just I said a few things. But the Lord, I began to realize there's a responsibility to that. I'm, I'm setting some things up in the spirit that I feel like I need to set up this morning to, to broaden our, our, our horizon a little bit. If we're going to be reformers, it's people that their focus is purely, what are you wanting to do on earth right now? Revivals come and go, but reformation changes culture. We just celebrated uh, 501st or 502nd, 501st of Martin Luther and the reformation of nailing the thesis to the door. But I believe that there's another reformation that we're getting ready to step into, and this one's, I'm getting to the end of my sermon before I get there I'll catch you up but I believe it's going to be a reformation of belonging yeah. 
I believe it's going to be a reformation of belonging. The Bible says that he takes the lonely and he puts them in families. This is going to look a lot different because when you belong, it's not that you belong because you believe this, 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 this. You belong because you're family. tell a story that I've told before. It's just, I think it's so much fun. And some of you will know this a lot better than me because I wasn't alive during this time. But I want to go back a little ways to some reformers and talk about them because it's fun. A few years back, quite a few years back, there was a man named Lonnie Frisbee. Anybody know who that is? <laughs> Lonnie Frisbee. How many know who Lonnie Frisbee is? I'm just curious. Oh, wow. About a quarter of the room. Okay. Well, Lonnie Frisbee was a man who had a massive encounter with the Lord. Lonnie was a nudist, homosexual hippie that was tripping on acid when he had a vision of Jesus walking toward him. Remember when you said, Lord, have your way? What if that's the person he's going to have his way through in your life? <laughs> Guys, I, I will just say it again just in case you missed that. He was a nudist, homosexual hippie that was on a trip and, with acid and saw Jesus coming at him. And Jesus looks to him and says, Lonnie, I have need for you. Man, I feel like I could preach. I, how many of us would look at somebody that, like that and say... Jesus has need for you. Right there. Came to him. He wasn't looking for Jesus. Jesus was looking for Lonnie. <laughs> in that moment, in that moment was the beginning of Lonnie's ministry. This was the beginning of something that was, was a major, major movement. And Lonnie began to preach the gospel and he came across this passage concerning, as he began to preach, he came across uh, a passage concerning baptism. <laughs> and so, so Lonnie thinks, well, we need to be baptizing people. So they go out to the beach, and he literally just begins to toss people in the water. <laughs> this has got to be the funnest baptismal service ever, you know? It's, it's your turn. Woo! And he's baptizing people, and it's... And, and the, and, the accounts say that as he was baptizing people, people were coming down the beach and they were hungry for whatever was happening. And they began to reach out and began to give their lives on the spot and they just kept baptizing. There was no shortage because people just kept getting saved. He ultimately does this to thousands of people. God isn't looking for the trained. He's looking for the qualified. And what qualifies you is when you say yes to when he calls you. He's looking for those that are qualified. And the qualifications are easy. Say yes. 
it's really a lot easier than I think that we've often made it. I don't know that he's made it so hard. I think maybe the church has made it a little hard. At the same time, there was a man named Chuck Smith who was pastoring a church, and he found out what was going on with Lonnie. And he reached out to Lonnie and said, bring all these people to my church. What a bold guy. I want you to like remember, who, this is like a bunch of crazy hippies. He's like, bring them to my church. And so Lonnie began to bring all these people to Chuck's church, and it, it wasn't too long before Chuck's church wasn't real happy. Actually, the board wasn't real happy, and they were concerned that these people were going to mess their church up. Sometimes I think we have to ask ourselves, are we, letting, are we willing to let God mess up everything we know to bring us into a season of everything we didn't know? We often pray like, Lord, I want you to reveal your heart. Sometimes it takes him messing up a lot of things that we think we know to bring us into a season of all the things we've been praying to know. And, and they thought, they're messing our church up. It was running pretty smooth. <laughs> So he begins bringing all these radical, just saved hippies to Chuck's church, and you would never believe what happens next. <laughs> they push that organ on the stage over to the side. They bring up drums, an electric guitar into the church. Woo! And all of a sudden, contemporary praise and worship was born because a nudist hippie that was tripping on LCD, when Jesus called him, he said yes. Some of you are getting so uncomfortable, I can feel it. And it's great! It's great! Remember in Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit was poured out, people were like, they're drunk. Like, they're acting like a bunch of drunks. Nowhere does it say that they weren't acting like drunks. It just says they're not drinking what you think they're drinking. But never did your Bible say they're not drunk. It just says they're not drinking what you think they're drinking. Ah, you thought you were coming for a fall festival. <laughs> so they bring all these people and all of a sudden the church begins to get reformed. There's a reformation that's going on in this church. And their organ that they love so much got shoved over the side. And the electric guitars and the guitars and the drummers came in. And they began to praise the Lord on their instruments. And things began to happen. Thousands of hippie kids began to flood this church in Costa Mesa, California. To experience contemporary worship music. God isn't looking for perfect people. He's looking for people who say yes. Amen. The Bible doesn't say he gives, he opposes the wrong and gives grace to the right. It says he opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Amen. Lonnie was as broken, as humble as a God, and he had issues. I've yet to find people that don't. <laughs> But we need to make sure that we are as concerned about the position of our heart as we are sometimes the theology in our head. I believe in having good theology with all my heart. I really do. 
but where's my heart? Where's my, how's my heart positioned? Chuck Smith begins working with a guy named John Wimber. Anybody ever heard that name? Okay, we're getting a little more familiar now. John Wimber has a passion for the supernatural. Shouldn't have any problem with all those hippies, huh? So I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> I told somebody uh, last Friday night, we were having the worship night, and they were talking about um, a church being planted in New Orleans. I said, man, I would love to just, those people, they're already open to the supernatural. They're just wrong, they're on the wrong channel. We haven't got to break down the whole connection to supernatural. We just got to change the channel. <laughs> what was happening here is you had a bunch of people that were already open to the supernatural. They were looking for it. They just need to change the channel. And so what happens is they begin to come in and give their life to the Lord, and they're beginning to experience a high like no drug could give them. And now John Wimber's getting involved, and he's like, I'm going to bring the supernatural. And so then all of a sudden they begin to see all of these people begin to step into the supernatural of the kingdom. And all of a sudden, the vineyard movement is born. <laughs> oh, Jesus. God has a perspective about you and about me that is so far beyond where we're at now. He sees things so far. Like, I meet with people all the time, and, and almost every single time, the big cat, the big, like, where they're stuck is all they're seeing is now. And if it's like, if we could just get you to here, yeah. everything would change. Because you're seeing it from here, and you're looking at it in the eye. But, you know, all of a sudden, if you just get over its head, you see all behind it. Yeah. Oh, you're not the biggest thing in my life. You're just the closest thing to my face. In the early 90s, you guys good? In the early 90s, there was a church called Carpenter's Church in Lakeland, Florida. At that time, it was the largest AG church in the world. I don't know that it still is. This was, this was, during, this was during a season in the 90s, like where everyone wore like three-piece suits to church. They were dressed up. They were very official, very formal. And they weren't necessarily looking for things to get wild. <laughs> How many know in a three-piece suit, it's hard to get wild? <laughs> I've seen it, and it's funny. <laughs> so the pastor of this church has an idea to bring Rodney Howard Brown in. Funny thing about Rodney is he's actually not really funny. But he, he's not funny at all, honestly, but he has this joy that follows him. Amen. And when he ministers, people just start cracking up. And so he goes into this really big AG church, and all of a sudden, what happens? They get hit with joy. They get whacked. <laughs> the Holy Spirit decides to break out in this dignified church with laughter and joy. I'm going to bring it where some of you that are younger are going to start connecting the dots. In this movement, someone named Randy Clark goes there. How many know who Randy Clark is? Randy Clark goes, and uh, 
Randy Clark, most of you know who he is, but if you were to ask Bill Johnson, who is it that's poured in the most in your life in the area of healing, he'd say Randy Clark. Amen. Randy Clark's an awesome man of God. So Randy Clark goes and he gets, he goes down there and God moves on his heart. He gets touched by the Holy Spirit. And next thing we know, Randy Clark gets called to minister in Toronto. You see it building? So he comes and he begins to minister and the Holy Spirit begins to break out in the craziest stuff. I mean crazy joy breaks out. Like the church was attacking its own. Because they didn't like it. I can think of a lot more things to get upset over than somebody being too joyful. Can you please keep your joy down? It's bothering my anger. This is church. We're not supposed to be happy. <laughs> when I used to, secret, when I used to lead worship, I would look for the most joyful person in the room, and that was who I'd connect with. Truth, right? Still the thing. When I preach, I preach to the hungriest person in the room. That's just what I do. I'm not worried about everything else. That's why you only need two or more. And so Randy Clark goes and he gets completely whacked and he goes to, he goes to Toronto and, he, and all of a sudden an outpouring breaks out and joy is happening. Something that's interesting is that the church really pushed back on this. Really pushed back on this. America also right after that came into a season where it was the leading nation in using antidepressants. Could it be that the Lord was trying to give the answer before there was a question? Here's the thing about moves of God. The only way that we can steward one is when we come to a place that we're so hungry that earth and man's opinions just become background noise. It just becomes a background noise. And we say, I, like, like, I don't think we understand when we say, Lord, I want you to move. We may not know what that looks like. This isn't even in my notes, but I could throw one more in for you. How many know Heidi Baker? Even more. How many know that Heidi Baker went down to the Toronto outpouring when Randy Clark was there as a burnout missionary ready to quit? And as Randy tells the story, it's the funnest story ever because he says this lady came up. She was really depressed. She came up to get ministered to, and he said, I don't know how it happened, but she got hit by the presence of the Lord, and she ended up upside down with her feet in the air. And he said, I don't know why I'm supposed to do this, but I'm just going to, since you're upside down, I'm going to anoint your feet instead of your head. Now, if you know who Heidi Baker is, you know that she's winning over Africa for the Lord. She is have the, the amount of raising people from the dead, and it's, un, it's just unreal. I mean, it's so cool. But she comes in, and she gets hit by the presence of the Lord. She ends up on her head, and Randy Clark says, well, then I'll just anoint your feet. And then she goes. I had something that happened to me. I, 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 last Tuesday morning at prayer, I'm just going to share it because I, I feel it. <laughs> I'm going. I had been dealing and I'd been, I feel like we're coming into a season where the Lord is like, get ready to go. Like, I feel that so strong. He's like, 
It's time to run. And we were, and I've been having, I've never in my life had restless leg syndrome. And I began to have restless leg syndrome. And I'm like, what is going on? What's driving me crazy? And then I began to notice every time I got in the presence of the Lord, it got worse. Like, that's not how this is supposed to work. And his presence is fullness of joy and healing. And it was getting worse. And then I would go out and I thought it was shoes. And I was like getting rid of different pairs of shoes. I'm like, what is wrong with my legs? And we were in prayer on Tuesday morning with our staff. And I was, I was sitting there and I felt my legs starting to go crazy. I'm like, I just stood up. And I started walking around. And the Lord is like, you're supposed to run. I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm like, I'm wearing boots. I'm out of shape. Please, no. So I just kept walking. I'm like, he'll let me go. I just keep pacing. <laughs> Sorry, camera person. And I'm just pacing around. And all of a sudden, I, I, we're talking, and somebody says something about it's like time to go. And I'm like, oh. I'm like, guys, I got to go. I'm like, I have to go run. And I love it. I love that we have such an amazing staff. They're not like, what? David's like, go, John, go, go, John. And I stood up. Dude, I ran out the door. I ran. I'm not talking like running like, you know, jogging. I'm like going for home plate. I'm coming out. I'm like, Shh. I'm running. I got to the back of the parking lot. I'm like, God, have I done enough? I got it. And I'm like running and I'm running. And I, and I come back in and I was like, the Lord's like, get ready. He said, you're getting ready to run. And it's not just for me. I'm telling you, he's saying, get ready to run. Get ready to run. And here's the thing about the kingdom. I get to still be in a place of rest while I run. It's amazing. It's amazing. But God moved. He loves. He looks for these people that will just say, yes. Yes. We've come into a place that it's so... Uh, we've gotten so caught up on we'll do, well, before you do that do you believe in this, 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 this and this um, probably that too that's a big one and that one I believe that there has to be don't get me wrong I believe we're going to elevate people into ministry there's things that they need to carry in their lives I get that but I also believe that sometimes it just calls you and says will you go and he will surround you with champions that will groom you and grow you as you go. Don't, don't go at it alone. That's actually a lie. I went to enough conferences as a teenager where I, I feel like, honestly, it was probably more hurtful than helpful to tell all these. If no one goes with you, you'll go by yourself. I believe he'll send people with you. I, re- I don't think we're just supposed to win. I think we're supposed to be sent. And I think that's so important because I think what happens is we create a culture where people just feel like they don't need anyone. I got this. And that's so dangerous for you and the people you're ministering to. God wants you to be in a tribe. Even if it's a small one, he wants to have people that got your back. I, when, I, when I went to run out that door, and I didn't even tell them this, you know what was the coolest thing was how the whole team was like, go! They weren't like, okay. Whatever you say, John. Felt like a go. <laughs> the new thing that God is looking to do in the earth 
will always be controversial because it's not been seen before. And the devil hates new. You want to know why the devil hates new? It just reminds him that he can't create anything. You know the devil can't create, right? He doesn't have the power to create. Now, God does, and you're just like him, so you can. The Bible says you can speak things into creation. But he can't. So every time you do something new, it drives the enemy nuts. Because not only is, are you doing what God's calling you to do, you're also reminding him of his limitations. Because he can't create. There's nothing worse when someone does something in front of you that like, you've been trying to do, and they're just like showing off. And you've been working on it. And, but you know what? It's the best to do that to the devil. Like, look what I can do. You are sons and daughters. You, everything he had, he gave to you. You realize that he died so you could have an inheritance. But then he said, I'm going to come back from the dead so I can show you how to use it. It's amazing. It's amazing. And God wants to release something. I believe that, and I believe they were, they were singing about joy. And you're gonna, we're going to be pressing in for joy. Joy is so important, so important. Because I believe that the earth is looking for joyful Christians right now. I love, (laughs) I think he's going to break the mold. And it may be more simple than you think. It may just be the fact that you're a really happy Christian. And people are like, I haven't been around a lot of happy Christians. I'd love to hear what your secret sauce is, because you're really happy. I want people to know me for my joy. I want people to know me for my love. I want them to know me for you as a joyful person. He's happy. I even hear people define the two sometimes, and I get it. There's seasons that are challenging. Like, well, joy is not the same as happiness. I'll take both, thank you. I like both. Mm. I get it. Sometimes we are challenged and we grow through friction. But I'm not going to give away my joy and my happiness. He's doing something. I'm going to wrap this up. Especially since that clock says 116. I was like, oh my goodness. I was like, no way I just went two hours. Like, Holy Spirit must have just done something cool because I missed an hour of it. <laughs> God loves to give the answers before there's a need. Revelation 13, 8, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. He gave the answer before the earth ever needed it. You ever thought about that? He's the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. He provided the answer before there was a need. He's that good. He's that good. Jesus will put his, Jesus, we see it in scripture, I believe I have it here, I'm going to close out on this one, 
Jesus was okay with putting his reputation on the line to empower people. If you ever look at the disciples, they, they weren't like the, the greatest picks in what many would have thought. Like, like really. You ever thought about Peter? Yeah. <laughs> Peter, personally, is my favorite. He's always putting his foot in his mouth. But he was also the one that got out of the boat and said, I'll step on the water. He was putting his foot in his mouth, but after Jesus preached his most controversial sermon ever and says, okay, guys, if you really want to follow me, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. There was no, like, by the way, that's a metaphor. (laughs) You get that with communion. You won't find that in your Bible. So Peter says, that's a hard one. It's my version. He said, Lord, I think he says officially, like, Lord, these words are hard. I threw in the whistle for free. He says, that's a hard one. And then he says this. Here it is. Here it is. Here's what will sustain a move of God and bring reformation. But your words are life. And where else would I go? When we come to a place where it's optionless, I just want heaven on earth. There's no other option. There's no other option. I have to have heaven on earth. He'll respond to that. People often think we're talking more of about of a, a reformation. I'm talking to you more about a reformer this morning. Because I believe that everybody in this room, I believe, I honestly believe with all my heart, everyone in this room, if they say yes, can bring reformation to areas that only you can bring it in. That only you can bring it in. We just have to say yes. And when you say yes, put your seatbelt on. The little thing on the roller coaster comes down because you're getting ready to go for a ride. He's so good. He's so good. Can we just wait one moment to see what he wants to do right here? You good with that? I didn't prepare this part. I just want to see what he wants to do. You're good, God. We say yes. Actually, I can't say yes for you. I can only say yes for me. I say yes. I say yes to you. There's a grace for people in here that feel like um, feel like uh, you missed it. I'm just speaking to you right now. The Holy Spirit saying you haven't missed it. Uh, some of you feel like you're not qualified, and that's true because. He's qualified. (laughs) But the great thing is, is when he's in you and you're in him, you're not qualified. Some of you feel like you failed. You had a ministry that didn't work out well. And I feel like the Lord is just saying, focus your eyes, get up higher, and look ahead what I have for you. I speak life over you. Whoa. 
man, I just felt life come in this room, like really big, really big. I speak over those of you this morning that feel like you're scared. I remind you that he is a good dad. He's a great dad. And he's right there with you. He's not going to leave you. He'll hold your hand. But you got to get up and go. I feel like a commissioning in the spirit in this room this morning. I don't know. This is unique. This is unique. This is what we felt was coming. I've had this word commissioning on my heart for a while. Let's stand. If you could hang tight, it'd be great that we don't have a whole lot of movement for a few minutes, and then I'll release you, and you're, you're good after that. But let's just focus for a moment. I feel something needs to happen as we stand in this room. I want to make a couple declarations as a house, and then I want to pray a couple things over you. But right now, first, I want to speak as a house. Lord, this place has been prepared for you. This place has been prepared for you. And we say yes. Corporately, we say yeah, yes. There's a yes in our heart. There's a yes in our heart. I feel like I can hear like buzzing of electricity in the air. Like, like. I can feel, I can hear a buzz of electricity in the air. We say yes. We say yes. We say yes. We say yes yes to whatever that looks like. I'll be the sacrifice, you be the fire. fire needs a few things it needs fuel it needs an ignition and it needs air we are the fuel that it burns but he breathes on it and I feel like he wants to breathe on us right now I want to say we can't do this without you For us to step into the fullness of what God has, if you're in covenant with this house and this is home, we need you. We want to do this with you. This is not the the pastor's show. This is the body of Christ saying, I have the kingdom of heaven in stock and I'm going to be here to hand it out. So I bless you. And I speak over you right now in this room. I pray with what I'm feeling in the spirit realm. I'm feeling an electricity. I pray that even right now throughout the room, you're going to begin to feel it. You're going to be feel like even a shock, a tingling in your arms as the presence of the Lord begins to come upon you. And I encourage you, when you feel that, begin to ask for more. Because as you ask for more, he'll give you more. So right now, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would begin to just come upon your children in this room right now, just as you came upon Lonnie Frisbee when he wasn't even looking for you, and he says, hey, I need you. He's saying in this room this morning, church, I need you. I need you. Charlotte needs you. Your neighborhood and your cities and your workplace needs you. And are you coming?
Are you coming?